Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to the latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentists podcast. And today we're joined by Sandeep Kumar. Sandeep's a dentist, a multiple practice owner, and also creator of the My Smile Network, which we'll find out a bit more about today. Welcome, Sandeep. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, Andy. And uh, good to meet you as well, Chris. Yeah, good afternoon, Sandeep. Thanks for joining us. Always good to meet new faces for me, I think, and to learn about stories. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a pleasure to be here. No, no, we appreciate your time. and looking forward to the discussion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so a bit of background. So I've got down, you came to the UK in 1999 after graduating in India as a dentist. You qualified uh, with a GDC in 2000 and bought your first practice in 2003. So for, from this, you, you move quickly. So were you an impatient kid? Have you always been like that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good that's a good way to start, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Andy, it's completely the contrary. I was so laid back as a kid. Oh, I remember wow. those days. You know, my dad used to you know wake me up in India. Come on, get your studies out of the way, and I used to have a comic sitting in my, within my books. Uh, you know, <laughs> never, never ever been thinking about anything other than just you know just kid kids thing really mm. trying to get away with little possible um yeah absolutely it's never it all happened later on in the life but it's funny because you still have a very laid-back demeanor you're not one of those people that you see some people who are kind of like quite manic and almost hyperactive in how they go about things and you strike me as somebody who's very considered and thoughtful so perhaps you've still taken that element of yourself with you into your business life but but now perhaps there's a lot more drive so where did that so where did that drive when did it kick in I was going to say Sandy can I just ask did you come to the UK on your own or with your family yeah good question Chris so let, let's let's start from India and then come to UK and then we'll talk about it right so it started in Bonabod in India in a small village in Punjab um, my dad figured out a way and then he sent me to a, a boarding school in Maharashtra which is about 36 hour train journey from, from Punjab where I was born. Wow. Uh, and then from there, I went into dentistry in Maharashtra, um, seeing the lifestyle of big cities like Mumbai and all that. And once I done my BDS, I came back to Punjab where my mom and dad were. And that's the only option I have to settle down. And, you know, once you have seen, you know, can you imagine living in London and then coming back and setting in a certain, settling down in country? It must be like a culture shock for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it was. And uh, I was just not getting anywhere, didn't know what to do. And one of the, one of the options dad proposed is, uh, why don't you get married? And dad had a very good friend in UK. He was visiting India. Nothing planned, never thought about it. It was just a quick intro to this beautiful girl who is my wife now. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, we met and we met a few times and we, things clicked and we decided to get married. And uh, I came here with Rita in the UK. So it was just, you know, looking back, I think it was a destiny. You know, that's the only yeah, the way. The stars aligned by the sounds of things, isn't it? Wow. What a great story. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that, so as a result of getting married, you, you, you came to the UK and was there, 
Was there a plan that, 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 that sat with coming to the UK or was it literally, I'll work that out when I get there? Yeah, nothing at all, Andy. You know, the biggest challenge I had is I couldn't speak English. <clears throat> you know, when I tell people and this, you know, it, that is a fact, very, very limited English. I could not even pick up a phone and call GDC and say, you know, here I am, I've got a graduation from India, what are my next steps? Uh, poor my wife those days, she had to go to work and then come back and, you know, help me calling all these, uh, all these people at that yeah. time. I tried for a couple of months, I got really frustrated, you know, I was just not getting anywhere. And uh, I said, right, I have fed up of sitting at home, I'm just going to go and get some jobs. So I went to a job center one day, just walking out on, on a street. And I found I've got a job in a factory. Um, so I worked in a factory for uh, for about four or five months at the start and when I came to UK. And it was it was interesting, you know, trying to speak to people, trying to understand what they're mm. saying, how they're saying, and you know, just the lingo of uh, of the way they were communicating. Mm. So it was interesting days. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like that when you know when they try and teach you, I don't know, whatever it used to be called, sandstone or something, I can't remember it. You know those um how to learn a language. Yeah. And they would teach you conversational language of whether it be Italian, Spanish, French, whatever, mm. because they said all you, what you really want to do is to start with is to be able to have conversations with people. And that's probably a brilliant way of doing it, actually, Sandy, isn't it? You're, you know, you're, you're in, with loads that... of people, you've got to have a conversation. <laughs> The best advice somebody gave me is to watch six o'clock BBC News. Right. Uh, uh, they said, nothing else, don't speak to people because you'll never understand what they're saying. Watch six o'clock news, six o'clock news, 10 o'clock news, I never missed it. That became like my education center early days. Wow. I know that in, I don't know if it's still the case, but in Denmark, um, it used to be law that you had to broadcast whichever television program was made in its original language. You had to broadcast in that language. You weren't allowed to subtitle oh, really? or dub anything. Wow. And that was effectively part of their national curriculum for teaching, teaching English. Because they oh, said the majority of, of television in the world, broad, yeah. Yeah, it's built in, in English as the first language. And in Denmark, they just said, you have to broadcast in the language it's made in. And that means that every, all the young kids wanting to watch television. And that's how they learn wow. they learned English. And it's interesting because when you speak to lots of Danish people and they speak English, quite often there's a slight a, American twang. A US twang. There, there's, there, there's a little US twang because they've obviously heard lots of American TV programs. I don't know if it's still the case, but, but well, that, that, that was yeah. as it used to be, which was quite interesting. Well, this is the beauty of this discussion, right? We're all learning something new. Exactly, exactly. I didn't know about this at all. So, so for you, I, I guess, whilst you kind of left your, your family when you came to India and you got married, families obviously important to you. I saw you were saying about your wife, I saw it was your 24th wedding anniversary recently and you, you spent some time oh, in yeah. London. Your, your wife, obviously when you came over, you you both came over with, with nothing and you've built from there. So she's obviously a, a force in, in, in all you've done as a, as a stakeholder in the business. Is that is that something that kind of goes back through your, your, your family line? Has that always been important that the family pulled together? Oh, 100%, you know, even even when I was there, I was born in India, we had, uh, it was a huge family, so my dad had five brothers, their wives and their kids, so there was about 50 of us living in, in this little street, and you know, there was never a long moment in your life, and then I turned up here, and you know, my wife is the only person person I know here in UK, yeah. 
yeah, you know, and that must be quite <laughs> difficult because I, 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 so she was from England and you were from India, so that must have been quite an interesting one because obviously uh, it, the different cultures. So not only are you trying to get used to a UK culture, she, is she trying to get used to you as a girl from a an Indian culture? So is that? Uh, it just yeah, sounds fascinating. The, the biggest positive was that we both were from a similar background. So you know, her dad was from Punjab. Right. from the area where I was born in. So the culture and the values and the family values and, you know, our roots and the, there was lots of similarities. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Mm. So just moving on to the, the business side of things, mm. um, you started the My Smile Network back in 2015, but could we perhaps just have a little uh, potted history of, of what happened from when you bought your first practice in 2003 up to 2015? Because then we can pick up on the My Smile mm. Network from there, but it'd be nice to know all the things that went on before that and yeah. that kind of laid those, those foundation stones for the My Smile Network. Yeah, absolutely. You know, briefly, so after the factory days, I end up going and start working as a dental nurse. So I worked as a dental nurse for two years. And, you know, that was very difficult days, you know, when you can work as a dentist, but mm. you're not allowed. Yeah. I the imagine. one thing I did, you know, that time was really understood how the dentistry works in this country. Even though I was just sitting on the other side, I was just having lots of discussions with dentists and patients, just really trying to understand how this whole thing, whole thing works. And then I, I qualified in 2000 with, you know, so I had to do my exams and I did my exam with GDC in 2000. And, you know, Andy, I was coming to nearly 30 years of age, you know, not a penny to my name, not a house <laughs> to live in. And uh, that time my wife got pregnant and we were expecting our first baby. So it's, you know, I just decided, right, enough is enough, you know, seen a lot in life. Let's try and go out there and express myself and see what happens. So you asked me a question at the start, was I impatient? I wasn't impatient, but I got to a state where I was not fearful of anything. Mm. I was just not worried about anything. I think I've seen the lowest of lows in life and you know, what, what could be the worst than that? Mm. And that was it. So I, um, the practice where I started working as a dentist, as an assistant, a couple of years after I approached my boss and you know, he's still a very good friend, still a great mentor. And I just approached him and, you know, he had another private practice where he was focusing more and more time. And it was just a discussion, you know, what about uh, if I buy this? And he said, you know, why not? Then let's have a discussion. And that's how it happened. So I bought that practice in 2003. At that time, it was a two surgery practice and I was the only one who was working there. So between 2003 to 2006 was the, was a critical time, you can say. So I worked extremely, extremely hard those days, like, you know, six days a week, clinical dentistry, seventh day, managing the business. Uh, what, what did you do on the eighth day? day? Uh, I wish there was eighth day. <laughs> okay, let me tell you about this eighth day. I used to do emergencies on those, those days. You know, NHS emergencies. And I could be, literally, my phone was right next to me. And 12 o'clock, I'll come. So this is where my eighth day came that time. <laughs> Yeah, but the benefit of working, you know, extremely hard that time was then the you know, UDA contract changed in 2006. Yeah. Within those three years, I quadrupled the size of that business. <clears throat> then that changed to UDA, that practice became my backbone, really. But within those three years, you can imagine, you know, building from one surgery to six surgery. I was very growth driven. It was just, you know, yeah. adding 
dentists, surgeries, staff members. And, and back then as well, the way they, they established your contract value, the fact that you'd had great growth from mm. 2003, 2006, meant you got a really good contract as well because oh, you'd already had the growth and proven it. So timing was perfect. It, was, it's, it, it is today, they had one of the biggest contracts in, in central building. Yeah. And I still, still own that practice, I still got it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And they're on, you know, because I was so driven by growth and then suddenly UDA contract came and you can't grow, right? You got it, but you got. And then I thought, you know, it's very easy for me to just find somebody and do my work. Let me go out there and explore what is outside of this, this one practice where I've been working eight days a week. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I went to um, London and went to see a couple of private practices, just really understood the private side of uh, Dentistry in 2007, I set up a private squad in Birmingham City Centre. And that's where we were meeting and in the yes. couple of weeks time. Um, so in that private practice, at that time, the first time I heard about Invisalign, somebody from London came to the practice and said, hey, can I hire a room in your surgery for one day a week? I'll pay you a little bit of money and I'll bring my nurse with me. I'll bring it, everything in my suit. Case, I don't need anything from you. And I said, what sort of dentistry are you going to do in a bring everything in a suitcase? <laughs> and that's when he told me about Invisalign. First time ever I heard Invisalign. Went on a course. Um, I was free those days anyway. I was started from zero. Only thing I was doing that time is yellow pages and a bit of metro, metro advertisement. Oh, Internet yeah. never existed those days, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, just Started a couple of cases in 2007, loved everything about it, how simple it was, how happy the patients were, how much support was behind, behind uh, provided by that company. Just never looked back. It was just one of those, you can say, light bulb moment, penny drop moment. Mm. Next year, I did 80 cases. Following year, I became diamond provider. And since then, I have not done less than 500 cases a year. It's just, you know, and then the second practice became the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. So then I had a um, clinics in House of Fraser's in Birmingham, Manchester, Solihull. Then I won a couple of NHS contracts. So it just really rolled on from there. And uh, so in 2014, that's when the My Smile was born. And what happened was uh, in their clinic in New Street in Birmingham. Yeah. Align Technology was spending a lot of money at that time around brand awareness, so people know about the... So people were calling us and say, hey, can I book a consultation for Invisalign? And there was just a bit of, you know, tipping points. People, instead of people saying, oh, can I book an appointment for teeth straightening? They were saying, can I book an appointment for Invisalign? And if you get to that point where you, if you get to that point where you own a word and a line, yeah. you know, they do own the word for clear aligners. Invisalign yeah. has become, you know, the word. It's the hoover. And, you know, yeah. those days I just looked at this as a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I took a plunge and made <clears> the name of my clinic to My Smile Invisalign Only Practice. <clears throat> and that was the first ever practice was in Europe, which was Invisalign Only. Wow. And obviously, you know, people in Align Technology world, they heard about what I have done and then they came to see me and then we sat down and we started having a discussions where we go next. And this is where the MySmile Network was born. Hmm. So, the, you know, the, the root of MySmile Network is helping other dental practices, other dentists to grow their investment business. Hmm. 
And my small network is built on a win-win-win strategy. My, so we, need, we got nearly 100 practices across the country who are part of the network. When somebody joins the network, we, we do everything for, for them. We do their marketing, we do their training, we help them set up their patient journey. We help them with their treatment planning. We help them to be commercially viable by giving them more discounts um, for becoming a part of my small network. And what happens after that is it's in our interest to make sure that these guys do more and more cases. So if they do a case, they are happy. Align technology is happy and more aligned technology is happy. It's better, better for my smile. So it is a you know it's a win-win-win mm. for everybody. And and are typically mm. my smile practices are they practices that have had their eyes open to what Invisalign can do for their business? They've kind of plateaued and they want to get to the next level. Or are they practices who have yet to integrate Invisalign into their practice and need a partner to help them do it? Or is it is it is it a mixture? Uh, so in, in, in Invisalign world, there, there are uh, different types of categories of people. Yeah. So I would last as expert, right? Because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. There are two types of people. One are occasionals and one are uh, engaged. So there are people who have done the certification. They are trained. They know what Invisalign is. They have done few cases, but they're occasionally doing one or two cases here and there. Here yeah. and there and <clears throat> Those are our target audience. We can work with those people and really help them to exponentially grow their, grow their business. There are about five or six dental practices who joined us about five years ago, doing 10, 15 cases a year, and now they have become diamond providers. Wow. That's impressive, yeah. And then Very there good. are other people who are engaged, they, want, they are already doing 30, 40 cases, but they've hit a glass ceiling and they you know, not, don't know where to mm. go from there. And they reach out to us, and we help them to help them to grow. Mm. And, and and you said that when you when you did the the first practice, and, and you called it, you know, it was your Invisalign only only practice, and a line obviously cottoned on to this and came and talked to you. Uh, do you know was this was this a global first? Because obviously a line's a, a global business. Were there other dental practices doing this in in other parts of the world? Or was this literally the first time it had been it had been I done? Maybe completely <clears throat> wrong, but I am pretty sure that I was the I was the first man in the world. And, and have other so, countries now started to catch up? Is this oh, happening in other places? Yeah, there's lots of Invisalign focused practices now. Right. Uh, you know, there's a practice in Hong Kong. I know they do about a thousand cases a year. Right. There's a practice practice in Vienna. Those guys are doing about five six hundred cases a year. So there's a lots of uh, and you know, by 2014, 2015 time, I had a privilege and an opportunity to travel around the world with Invisalign. So I've spoken in Brazil, Mexico, Macau, and I get to meet all these people and really, you know, understand. And you know, now we know it's a Invisalign is a well-known consumer mm. global global household name now. Mm. I mean, for, for me, Sandy, one of the things you sort of nicely glossed over, but I don't think you should have glossed over, and, and hopefully the listeners will, will, will hear it as well, is the fact of um, <laughs> you, you said, well, you bought this practice, and then you sort of like, you had a, you, you know, you did some stuff in Harvey Nicks, and then you did some other stuff in stores and some other practices. And I just, <laughs> it's that thing of having that ambition and drive 
to to do those things because yes you, you you seem to be laid back but the answer is you were obviously focused in your laid backness and and I think it's brilliant mm. for anyone listening in the fact of you know you got to where you are and I I love the way you sort of went from 2003 to 2014 with the it was like well we did a bit of this and we did a bit of that and I went into this and I went into that yeah. because you you spotted that opportunity and and stepped into that space and I think for anyone listening, that's the sort of thing, isn't it? You know, mm. if you see an opportunity, go for it. Don't wait for something to end up on your on your doorstep because you did that in those whatever that what two thousand three to you know ten eleven years. You you did years, stuff yeah. to mm. create where you ended up with. And mm. I just I so I wanted to come back to it because you sort of you, you sort of like passed it off as a bit of a backstory, yeah. but I think it's a really important thing for people also, to listen to. I think I think you know the way that you tell it, it, it was a conscious decision to say, I wonder what I could achieve if I. If I push myself and I, and, I, and I did some things differently, I mm. wonder where it would go. And obviously, as a result of that, you know, some success came and that, that brought on bigger success and, and pushed you on it off in another direction. Mm. And quite often, if you can have a little bit of success in one direction, it, it mm. gives you that confidence to kind of keep, to keep pushing. Success breeds success, doesn't it? I mean, and we <laughs> can say from our point of view as, as valuers that we have seen some of the practices on the MySmile network and it's made a a significant impact upon their businesses and and it's almost like it's either like the worst kept secret um or the best kept secret because people you sort of sit there and say for goodness sake why isn't other people looking at these opportunities yeah when you think of the number of patients and opportunities they are mm. you know all they really need i think you said Sandip, is is you're there to give them a bit of help and unlock that potential that that they might not even know they've got yeah yeah, absolutely, Chris. You know, I completely agree with you. You know, I, I go around and meet. So this morning, I said I was at uh, one of the MySmile network uh, network practice who joined us in the summer, and they are having a full day induction training with uh, one of my team member. You know, it boils down to one thing, right? Now, if you pick up, you know, open Facebook, Instagram, there's just so many shiny opportunities. You know, this aligners, that aligners, yeah. hundred pounds cheaper, two hundred pounds cheaper. You know, for, for me, it's always been a relentless focus on one thing. I'm not saying you've got to be invisible. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Find something which you enjoy, which you really feel proud that you're doing it, which helps you make money. Mm. Yeah. If you can tick these three boxes, but the first two are even more important. You've got to enjoy what you do. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. you've got to feel part of something you know i'm making a difference i'm trying to create something yeah and the money money follows money, money yeah. yeah it's funny we, we, <laughs> we, we, we talked to some guys a little while ago and we said exactly the same thing if you get it right money follows the event yeah you don't need to focus on the money if you if you get it yeah. right well one of the things that i think challenges lots of practice owners and and you'll have the answer to this because you've been through the process is very often practice owners find the the constant challenge between I need to be in my surgery because if I'm not in there clinically working away, I'm not producing the, 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 the revenue, but I can't grow my business because I'm spending so much time in my surgery with patients. <laughs> and how do you kind of get yourself out of the surgery to spend time working on the business? Cause you're always working in the business. Obviously you're now 
you know, further away from clinical than, than lots of people because you've got your network and, 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 and your group of practices. But how, how did that, going back to when you were the guy that was working in the surgery five days a week, you know, working on the business one or two days a week and enjoying your eighth day off, how, how did you kind of get that, that, that twist from all those clinical days to reducing that, to give you the capacity to, to grow the business? What did that look like? Yeah, so you know, around 2014, 2015 time when we started the My Small Network, that was probably the busiest time in my professional life, you can say. And I could I could see, you know, where I was making a real impact that was on hiring the right people, training the right people, managing the right people instead of doing a clinical dentistry. And up to that time, you know, don't get me wrong, I enjoy the enjoy the clinical dentistry. And there was a significant event in 2016. I really messed up one of the treatment for my patient. You know, my patient used to come to me, pay me tens of thousands of pounds and, you know, expect me to do a fantastic service for them. And I'm sure you guys will understand this. I was uh, completing a deal on one of the practice and my phone was here. I was just waiting for a call from my lawyer to transfer the money. My laptop was open. And then on the side, I'm fitting a 10 minutes for this patient. <laughs> And I messed it up. Luckily, I had a very good relation with the patient and I apologized to her and we got that right. But that, that made me think, you know, this is not the direction. I can't, I can't justify they're doing this and that. Mm. And that's when, you know, I made a conscious decision. And one of the things I do is I always disappear around Christmas time for a couple of weeks just to reflect on, you know, where I am and what I wanted to do. Mm. And I had a bit of solid two weeks off that time and really thought about what I wanted to do. And I came back and I said, gave myself one year that at the end of 2017, I want to give up clinical dentistry. And I mm -hmm. planned everything accordingly, went from four days to three days to two days, employed some great dentists, started introducing my patients to those dentists and just make sure that, you know, the patients were happy to see them. And by end of 2017, I hang up my drills and, uh, just, just been focused on running the business. You know, the advice is it decide what do you want, right? Mm. There is nothing right or wrong. You know, yeah, having yeah. multiple practices is not the not the only way. If you want to build a lifestyle business, build that. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. What people are getting confused is they want to do that and they want to build business and they just get in this rut mm. where they can't really. Um, can't really express themselves in either this or either that. So yeah. it's about making a mind and having a having a roadmap, right? This is where I am in three years time or two years time. In my case, it was a one year that that's it. This is how it's going to look like. So have a plan, but there's nothing right or wrong. You know, and do you think that lots of people are looking for inspiration ideas from other people and any in effect copying somebody else's plan and thinking that's what they should be doing you know social media is full of these people that are having amazing success well, and people are saying oh yeah rather than sitting down themselves at a bit of paper and a cup of coffee and saying who do i want to be what do i want they're looking at somebody mm. else who's successful and say well i'll do what they've done but that's not their plan mm. is that is that a problem you are you know what a fantastic question Andy. um this is what's exactly where people are going wrong. You know, I can sit here and tell you how I do my 500 cases a year. Mm. You cannot copy my techniques, no. my ways, 
and say it's a copy and paste and you can implement that in your it's mm. never going to it's never going to work find a mentor find what you want to do right find a mentor who has worked on that path before you who knows what they have but what are the hurdles what are the challenges you have to overcome and work with them as their guide mm-hmm. then not as a teacher you know any anybody there's lots of teachers out there right who are, who think that, that they know everything <laughs> find a guide who's happy to hold your hand and be there for you when you need to make any important decision it's just a phone a friend like you know yeah. this is where i'm stuck sandeep what shall i yeah. do and you know all you're doing is sharing ideas and sharing opinion and once you have done that then you figure out your own way yeah and your personality my personality chris's personality are completely separate the way i'm laid back but that does not mean you know even my team tells me sandeep you know there's a crisis outside you know you're just chilling here like nothing is happening <laughs> but so you think i am chilling but right up there yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 working 10 times faster than you can even imagine yeah it's the duck But analogy it is isn't it yeah you know your duck looks very serene as it's on the pond but it's paddling furiously but nobody sees the no. paddling furiously <clears throat> yeah absolutely and you know it's just shouting and screaming and you know getting impatient about things and that's not the that's not i'm not i'm not saying that's a wrong way of running a business or that's a wrong leadership but for me it's not i you know give me a situation i'll walk away from that mm. i'll think about it and i'll come back to you but also i think if you spend the time to think about who you are and be comfortable with your own style there's an authenticity that comes with it and mm. your team they know what they're getting they know that if they come to you you're not going to panic you're not going to overreact it's going to be a thoughtful considered response mm. and that doesn't mean you don't care it just means there's a there's a style of of thinking that isn't necessarily overly exaggerated I'll tell um, you one thing that i, th- I think sandy <clears throat> said that is another thing that people should listen to and and it's very uh, topical is the fact to just reach out for something <clears throat> you know because uh, you, you, you've got to sort of make that first step yeah, yeah. haven't you that sort of says you know either where am i going can i have a chat with you i'd like your opinion on something but yeah. you have to originate it otherwise because people don't know you know because yeah. everyone's doing all right aren't they you know if maybe you're having a terrible moment people might identify that mm. but in most cases <clears throat> life is just normal and and people have no idea that you might need their input and it's not that you're having a disastrous time but the fact that they will just give you a different view and i think yeah. as sandeep says you just got to sort of say to someone if it's your mate or someone you know this is what i'm thinking what are your thoughts mm. uh, it's great mm. advice great advice going back to your veneer case sandeep that that sounded like it was a fairly defining moment in terms of which path you were going to follow be it clinical or, or the business side of things now you're you're further down that path do you find the business side of dentistry more fulfilling than the clinical work that you used to um good question there is not right or wrong answer here andy i i don't want to say that you know what i'm doing i hear people saying you know so maybe you're living a dream life that's what <laughs> i would like to do um you know again you got to decide what is right for you yeah If, so uh, so so for you for you put another way do you, do you miss clinical dentistry do you miss it at all the only thing i miss is the communication oh, right okay. nothing other than that just that personal one to one connections just that having that com- communication with unknown people at the start 
and working with them throughout the journey and seeing that wow at the end of the, on their face, that's the only bit I miss. I don't miss okay. this uh, mm. drill, yeah. and, drill, and, drill and drill stuff. I, I must admit, lots of people post kind of, you know, their reveal, um, they used to be kind of reveal pictures, but now we get short videos on social media. And that, that, that they are quite contagious, aren't they? When, when you watch them, you do get drawn into it. And there is something amazing and special. We were, we were saying about how incredible dentistry is in, it can impact people's confidence in themselves and how they look and how they project themselves. But when people turn the mirror around and they see the end result, there's no doubt it, it really does stop you in your tracks that dentists can have so much impact over somebody um, by looking after their teeth. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we're changing people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. To have, you know, having from somebody saying first time for a consultation and taking them through this journey over three months or six months and then seeing the end result. What can be more fulfilling than that, man? Mm. Oh, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Who, who, who inspires you, Sandeep? Because obviously you've, you kind of taken this path yourself and, and obviously lots of the people that would have been there in your, your younger years or in a, in a different country. Who, who's kind of inspired you and helped you on your way? I'm going to have to give you a little bit of background behind this. So <clears throat> when I initially qualified, I, you know, loved wearing the ties and jackets and you know, <laughs> carrying my bag with me. And, you know, that was like heaven. I always wanted to do that. Uh, through somebody around 2011, 2012 time, I've got an opportunity to join uh, one of the course called Business Disruptors. And there was a 12 month course. It only happened once and it was in London. And it was organized by Virgin Group. It was all looked up, it was behind the scene, it was all Richard Branson's idea, but nobody knew that he is going to actually turn up at that event. And that, you know, I still remember, I'm sure I posted something on my social media at that time as well. And, you know, I saw that guy and I looked at him and, you know, he's billionaire or whatever. What, what a nice guy. In the whole auditorium, I think he was probably the most simplest dressed man, white shirt, black jeans and his scruffy shoes. And he just came and sat on the stage and everybody's wearing toys and suits and Armani's and this and that. And <laughs> this guy, you know, he's, he had about a five pound uh, watch on him. And the way he was talking, and you know, it's just, I felt, you know, it's, it's, it's the one thing he's successful. Success, success means what, right? Money, having money is a one form of success in my opinion. Yeah. He's successful, he's got right people around him, he's got family, he's got family values. You know, I follow his uh, son and his daughter as well. And they just, uh, he's created something where, yeah, money's there, but there's a lots of other things which, which define mm. success for him. So I really, really enjoyed that program. And I was lucky enough to have uh, been in the same room with him a couple of times during that year. And yeah, he, he has been the, uh, there's no book which I have not read. I read his podcast, I read his blogs, I just, just you know, I, I like the guy, how he, how he goes about his day-to-day -day life, how he goes about his business. Mm -hmm. And it's nice that that's based on a, a first-hand encounter. I think that backstory was good because mm. lots of people would cite Richard Branson as being somebody, but it would be kind of almost 
secondhand or from a distance, but the fact you did a program that was, you know, curated by him and he was part of gives you a much closer firsthand experience. Mm. So what, so for the MySmile network, where, where's it going? What's it going to look like in five, 10 years time? How, how is, how's it going to shape up? Yeah, so MySmile network is, uh, you know, organically grown from 20 practices to nearly 100 practices now. So we are in our seventh year. Uh, and the most important thing is, you know, I want happy people working with me. I don't have time. If anybody, you know, these are contracts and there's everything, but if somebody is not working for somebody, I'm more than happy for them to, you know, look for, look for alternatives. Yeah. So right now where, where my smile is and uh, the biggest change which is going to happen from next year is, is I have never stood up on a stage and taught somebody about what to do. Oh, right. I've got a team of people, you know, I've got a team of trainers, I've got a huge marketing team, I've got a huge clinical team who has been doing all this. So in the last couple of months, I've been working with my team and we're launching this program is uh, Mastering Your Invisalign Business. And this is the first time ever I will be hosting and I will be doing those courses and it's only for 10 people. It's only application only. It's got to be for driven people. And for me, you know, in seven years, six people have become diamond provider. For me, that is a real success. Mm. That's what makes me happy. If I can bring these people in a room and really openly, you know, I've got nothing to hide. It's like, you know, this is the way I look at this, right? You know, people say some people, you're going to give your secrets away. I'm going to bring people into my Apex Diamond Clinic and show them how I do everything, how mm -hmm. we do patient journey, what happens, how we interact with. And people say, you know, so they aren't you worried that people will copy your idea and this and that. And my analogy is that in nearly simple, you know, you can have a personal trainer and you can read hundred books, how to, how to build six packs. You've got to do it yourself, haven't you? You've got to do it by yourself. So yeah. I'm going to be there to guide you. I'm going to be there to help you. But if you are brave enough and if you are happy to implement what I tell you, I, I will be the happiest person because what I have taught you has helped you. Mm. You know, it, there's enough out there in the world. There is enough to go around for everybody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's absolutely. True. And also what you're doing, it, it is raising the bar in dentistry. It's uplifting the profession. It's uplifting the people that want to, you know, follow the path that, that you're mm. on and, and emulate what you've achieved in your practices. And like you say, it's not right or wrong. It's not for everybody, but for those that see it as being a way to develop their practice, it's a great, it's a great model to follow. It's mm. proven. And, you know, for, for me, my reputation is everything. Mm. I, I do not want, yeah, you know, unknowingly, I may do things wrong, which, you know, we can't control, but knowingly, I will never hurt anybody. I will never go around and do yeah. something which, you know, let me make as much money as I can from this, or, yeah. and, you know, I don't care what happens with that mm. person or stuff like that. And, you know, part of my smile, which I'm really proud of is uh, that we work with uh, Operation Smile. Right. Yeah. I went to Madagascar and I did a uh, uh, mission with them. So I wanted to see firsthand what's happening, if we're going to give them money, where that's going to do. And that was, you know, a life-changing week for me to spend some time with the Operation Smart team. And, you know, this year we have raised 100,000 collectively wow. as, a, as a network for Operation Smile. And, you know, in my lifetime, my mission is to raise up to a million pounds for, for mm -hmm. this charity. 
That's and, brilliant. You know, it, it, I can't, there's no way I could have done this by myself. And this is where the power of community, this is where the power of working together comes in, is together we are stronger. Cool. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a that's a great message, and I, I think that's probably a nice way to, to 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 wrap it up. To be honest with you, I think that's a, a really powerful message for people who are interested in getting involved, um, but also uh, for the future of dentistry. I agree. I think that by everybody collaborating in some shape or form or other, um, it helps elevate and push push the whole thing. Yeah, forward. I think so. Because it's got to be for the benefit of all, isn't it? Yes. Rather than the benefit of a few. Yeah. yeah. We, we always wrap up and we always ask our guests the, the same two questions. So the first question we have for you is, if you could be the fly on a wall in a situation, um, and we've already spoken about a couple of couple of personalities in, in the talk, but is there a situation that you'd like to be sitting in the corner of a room just watching it play out? Yeah, I'm going to be really selfish here now, Andy. Like, um, this is just purely me. So outside work and uh, my family, I love Formula One. Right. Oh. And I do not miss a live race. I've pretty much gone around the world and watched lots of races. And what really intrigued me is how a 20-man team can change those four wheels yeah. in less than two seconds. It's remarkable, and isn't if it? if I ever get an opportunity, I would love to be standing outside Mercedes garage for those two seconds and just seeing that coordination. You know, we watch on TV, I've seen lots of times, but I would love to have that opportunity to be able to see it. I'll tell you what, we'll have a chat with our friend at Red Bull Racing. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see if we can get you in. Because I hadn't realized, Sandy, they they have a whole training suite to do that. Mm. That they've got these bays which are set up exactly as they are at the race, and they just push the car in, and they go, oh, There we go. We'll have a chat with them for you. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah. And like you say, in terms of that. do come through, as they say, But that thing about a fly on the wall experience, your, yours is going to last probably either just below or just above two seconds, depending <laughs> on, yeah. on how, it, how it goes. <laughs> I, I, assume, I assume you're also a fan of Drive to Survive, then, on Netflix. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, no. Never miss it. Never, ever miss it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good. And then whether it's going to be related to that or not, I don't know. But our second question is, um, if you could meet somebody, if you could sit down and have dinner with somebody, who, who would you sit down with? And they I can be this one. yeah, fictional, a real person, someone who's passed away, someone who's with us. Who would you like to have dinner with? Well, I think I've already given you a hint. Uh, I, I am in order about this guy, Richard Brunson. Not because how much money he's made, no, not because how many companies he's got. I just love, love the way he, the one word I always see him and think is balance. You know, how yeah. he managed to <clears throat> manage to balance his family life, his physical, physical health. He's, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's a global personality, right? The whole yeah. world is looking, but I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard a bad word against that guy. Mm. Um, no. And no. then, you know, yeah, if you do everything right, then, you know. He's, he's made a shit lot of money as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not sure I've got any connections with Richard Branson, but no, no. Chris, will try and, Chris and Charles sort out the Red Bull thing. Yeah, let's try and see what we can do. Lovely. Yeah, I've really I've, enjoyed... I've already seen him, but I would love to have a one to one dinner with him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Perhaps he'll invite you to his island. Things like that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice, you go to his it? island, Sandy. There we go. And you can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> assuming he's still yeah. got it, unless he sold it to no, no, Funds Galactica or whatever he's got. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we, we appreciate your time. Um, uh, it's been brilliant. It's been lovely to hear about you, you, the, how it all started, how you got to where you are, but also the excitement for the future of My Smile Network as yeah. well. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's in a great place with a lot more to come. And I think those 10 practices are going to get to spend time with you and get the inner workings of, uh, you know, the things that have created the success you've had. I think that'd be a great year for I'm them. looking forward to when Sandeep does right on those big presentations, you know, like this, like there's 300 people in it and he comes on with smoke and it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be there and it'll come out the floor or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Chris, as, as long as I'm happy and I'm healthy and, you know, people around me is happy, that excites me more than, you know, all the yeah. smokes and guns around. <laughs> so guys, honestly, you know, I don't know where these 45 minutes have gone. You know, it's been, it's been, seems like, you know, I know you guys forever. I was just having a, having a discussion. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's been good. No, it's just been, it's been a real, real pleasure, guys. And uh, thank you for having me. No, not talking. No, no, really appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Keep well. Stories are always brilliant. And it's lovely to hear yours. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Lovely. Keep right. well. Cheers. Cheers, guys. All the Cheers. best. And we'll look forward to catch up soon. Cheers, okay. Cheers. 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 Bye. What an absolutely fabulous guy Sandeep is. Such humble beginnings. Oh, he's so unassuming, isn't he? Yeah. I love the bit with the fact of, well, you know, we, uh, I was in uh, Punjab and uh, um, my wife and, uh, yeah, well, I just thought I'd come to England. I, yeah. I couldn't speak English. I can't be a dentist that I've trained to and I'll go and work in a factory to and help learn funny, English. As he plays it back, it kind of, in retrospect, it all sounds so easy and straightforward. Yeah. But they were massive decisions. Oh, Massive decision. Well, that thing when he, oh, I just we had to bring it back with the, yeah. Well, then I bought that. Oh, and then then I set up a practice in Solihull. Oh, and then then I had a couple of things in mm. Harvey Nicks in Leeds or whatever it was. And it's those things don't just happen. You have to do yeah. these things. And also the one where and and we kind of probed a bit around and it affects lots of principles. How you ease yourself away from yeah. the clinical. So you, your practice continues to perform, but without you in the surgery every yeah. day. And for him, his strategy was over the course of a year, he reduced his clinical days, mm. passed them to associates, introduced patients to free him up to run the business. And it's not going to be for everybody, but it was quite interesting to hear the process he went through mm. to free himself and you, up. And you have to do it because it's not just going to happen. Yeah. Because the danger is it's the same old, same old, yeah. same old. And, you know, 12 months down the line, he's still doing yeah. clinical dentistry. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, like I say, although he's laid back, he's really intentional and focused. Yeah, really nice brilliant. man. Really no, lovely guy. guy. Lovely guy. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.